Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to listen to the best music podcast ever? ever. Available on six platforms: Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Spotify, and more. You're listening to the When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast with James Cox and Blake Mosley. When words fail, music speaks. Interview. Hey everybody, this is When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast, and uh, and we are having an interview today with Ricky Underwood. Uh, let me tell him about. Let me tell you all about him first. It, he started playing in '92, and his uh, first band formed in '94, and to which the band was called Abandoned. He met some local musicians a little bit after the band got started and formed a the band Grave Nation. The band Grave Nation got signed to the Jet Speed Records Sony Entertainment Group in '98. That's a lot. Uh, he played in several bands since then, such as Motion Overload and Swamp Water Rebellion. To this day, he still plays in the band called Scott Leftwich and the uh, Atarians, in which he in which that band was formed in 2001. He now plays in a band called Knuckle Boom, which is a great name. Uh, as the member, as the members from Nashville to Richmond, Virginia. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ricky Underwood. Hey, Ricky, how's it going, Damien? It's going good. How about still? Hey, guys. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So. Ricky, um, can you tell us about your first music memory that you have from way back when? Um, uh, probably when I was younger. Uh, the biggest memory I had is probably when I heard Phil Collins Phil, back okay. in the day. But he was still with still with Genesis back in the day when I was younger. Because growing up, all my parents ever talked about or listened to was. Merle Hager or Patsy Cline or stuff like that. And mm. then when I started hanging out with my brothers, that's when I really got introduced to Phil Collins. And when I heard him play drums, I was like, man, that's awesome. And that really, yeah. I think that really sparked something for me as far as drumming went right there. I thought that's something I would want to do forever. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Seems like I have been so far, but you know, but yeah, that's my, that's my earliest memory of, drumming and wanting to get into the art. Right. Yeah, Phil Collins is, is uh, something special because uh, when you just watch him play, you're like, oh my God, he can do that, you know? Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, and multi-talented. You know, he can sing and play drums. Right. I mean, that's, For sure. Right, which is... Yeah, that's awesome. Which I would find yeah. that very hard to do, sing and play. You know, I guess you have to be some oh, yeah. kind of special to do that, you know? I mean, really, really talented guys. Because the other, the other guy oh, yeah. who I know... I can, um, singing, singing, uh, do drums with um, uh, Don Henry, I think, from the Eagles, right? Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's the only guy. Don I Henry, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough, yeah. especially it, you know, especially if you harmonize. <laughs> if you're trying to harmonize with somebody yeah. and play drums at the same, I've been in that position before, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it was right, yeah. it was way more <laughs> difficult than I thought it was going to be. I was like, sure, yeah, I can harmonize with no problem. <laughs> Nope. And I was like, oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, was there... and Scott Leftwich. Yeah. That, I have to deal with that a lot. Scott Leftwich does, a lot of his songs have a lot of backing vocals in them, and he has, everyone in the band has a mic. So yeah. Oh, no. I, 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 I know where you're coming from. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, was there one song in particular uh, by Genesis that, that just drove it home for you and just confirmed everything? that you loved about drums and something that just said, I, I'm going to, I'm going to play. Was it one, one album or a song in particular? Well, well, no, not really. I, the, the main song was of course off the Miami Vice soundtrack, you mm. know, uh, dun, 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 dun. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, 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 
in the yeah, ear of the and, night. And still to this day, even if you don't play drums, you love it. <laughs> right. So, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that that's but definitely the um, What's that? They kickstarted that for me is oh, that yeah. whole era. For sure. And you know, everybody it's like the the world champion holder of the, the number one air drumming song known to man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I believe it. Yeah. yeah. It, it's the only one song that I'll let go of my stern wheel as a vehicle while I'm driving. <laughs> right, you know, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Go ahead, Blake. But, uh, yeah, it's it, it, uh, Genesis and that that whole group, I kind of transformed through that. It was Genesis. I even listened to, got into some Lionel Richie. Uh, Michael Jackson loved Ricky Remo. That that when he was playing with Michael Jackson, all them beats there was they didn't seem like there was nothing to them. But now you listen. When I got older, I started listening to them, and you heard a lot of different things. But back in the day, it's just that just that good solid just got a good solid beat that made you move. Yeah, that's it's right. got a good beat to it. And I think you automatically know. Like I'm, I'm the kind of person. I think you're born with rhythm. Either born with it, or you, you have to be taught. But yeah, if you're right. born with rhythm. You hear things differently than people that's taught rhythm. Sure. See, that's my opinion. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. Uh, that's where it start, That's where it started. Is kind of that. Uh, which I didn't really start. I've always wanted a drum. I got a snare drum when I was like seven, but mm-hmm. my sister stuck her foot through it, so I kind of ended that because. <laughs> wasn't smart enough to realize that my parents didn't know that you could replace the head on it. So oh, no. it got thrown away. So oh, no. that kind of, I didn't have any kind of drums in my life except, well, basically Tupperware. I, I beat yeah. on my mom's Tupperware bowl. Right. And, I, right. and I'm sure a lot of kids done that, you know. I'm sure but, they did, uh, yeah. Then yeah. it transitioned. After, after I got out a little older, you started hearing a lot of that. Lionel Richie and, you know, the, the, like I said, the Michael Jackson and, uh, I got into that, but then when I got to high school, it even transitioned even more than that because then I got into higher metal. So that oh, even yeah. changed it even more. So I transitioned because I was a big, uh, loved, loved Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee was one of my favorite drummers. Right. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot more out there, you know, in that era that, that didn't really get recognized. But uh, right. good for itself. Dawkins' drummer was good, but he really wasn't recognized as far as Tommy Lee was. Right, right. But uh, they were more recognized as the lead singer or George Lynch. Sure. So, you know, you had those two things. Uh, no, knowing that you wanted to play drums for, for a long while and you started learning, uh, was there anybody you talked to how to play? Or, or And if so, who was that person? Uh, actually, I taught myself. Oh, okay, uh, nice. nice. I bought a, uh, when I was, uh, when I got into high school, you know, of course, then that's when the, I graduated in 93. I started playing kind of around 92, 93, kind of really getting into it a little more. But uh, I bought a set of Royces for 125 bucks off a local store up here in my area. And uh, I just, I knew how to work my hands because, like I said, I played on couple wire bowls. Right. So I kind of knew the rhythm. With my, I just had to introduce my foot for the kick and, you know, the hi-hat stuff, which it come along even better. But that was the hardest thing was introducing how to figure out that kick. Right. But, uh, yeah, I just, I, I just, what I do is just separate everything and try to learn the basic beats of it, you know, the four, four time, which is still my favorite beat in the world, which most everything's written in four, four time anyway. Sure. But, uh, sure. that's what I've done. I just tried to learn the basic stuff. And I actually had a guy learning to play guitar along with me all these years. We started together, which we still play together this, to this day. He's in knuckle boom. He's one of the guitar players. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just kind of progressed from there. And then we got, once we got good enough to kind of start talking to other people, other other artists, then you guys started collaborating. And then I started getting more and more more confident and started going outside my realm and started learning other stuff. And it just progressed from there. And I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I had a lot of help, a lot of help from local musicians. Like it was a band here called Play War. Which uh, is technically play war now is knuckle boom. It's just got added members to it, and they were a huge band around here in the early '80s and the, in the '90s. Right. And uh, they had a lot of recognition. I don't know if you ever heard of, uh, if you're familiar with uh, minor league hockey. They, uh, they're owner of one of the teams here in Roanoke, Virginia, 
uh, actually owned the team. Well, he owned the record label too, and they were on his record label. And uh, oh, cool. we kind of got in with those guys and hung out with them. And their lead singer, John Hall, uh, he lives in Nashville now. He's a teacher. He's a music teacher at East uh, Middle Tennessee State. Part, if it wasn't for him, uh, I learned a lot through him. Uh, right. Now, he wasn't even a drummer, but I learned the aspects of the songs, structures, of how songs went together, and which helped my drumming a lot. Nice. But, yeah. Well, um, so I've, I've so, those. I'm still not the best, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we all get to a point where we're like, I think I could learn a little bit more, you know? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, well, I tried, and I'm, I'm, I'll be 45 next month. And uh, you know that old saying, you can't teach a dog new tricks? Yes, you can. Well, I, I don't agree totally, <laughs> no. but it's a whole lot harder. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it is. Right. <laughs> Well, what are some tips that you would give uh, to like beginning drummers um, or even drummers that's been established? Like you were just saying, like, you know, can't teach uh, old dog new tricks, but do you have any advice for someone that plays drums, especially those that starting out? Oh, yeah. Uh, learn your fundamentals. I mean, if I had to do it again and go back, I would have learned. I didn't know what a rudiment was until right. five or six years down the road. You know, but I would... To go back again, learn those rudiments because that'll come in handy. I know there's like, what, 27 or so, something like that, maybe? Something like that. I can't remember exactly how many. There's, there's a lot. But right. uh, you don't have to learn them all. And you'll, you'll play them. Once you learn them, you won't even know you're playing them mm. when you start playing drums. Sometimes you'll play them and not even know you're playing that rhythm. But uh, learn your fundamentals. If you learn your right. basic groundwork, I think you can just go from there and just add a little bit as you go. Right. Don't don't rush into it. Take your time and learn your basic fundamentals of the drumming. And learn where yep. drums come from. I think the history of drums is really important, too. Sure. It, uh, it really opened my eyes to certain kinds of sounds that you can get out of drums, not just not just your basic drum set. You can, mm -hmm. do, you can do a lot of stuff from different drumming, like, you know, Caribbean drumming, uh, African drumming. I mean, I've learned, I've started learning a lot of that stuff in the past five, five to six years and, and using it in Scott Leopard and the Atari and stuff. You know, I use a lot of stuff in that, but sometimes you can't hear it as good because it's like Scott, Scott's the one that produces the song. So he's the, the last say of it anyway, but we try. That's, that's the cool thing about Scott Leopard is, is we can experiment. Right. And, right. uh, Learn, learn learn the history of your drums. I mean, the drums go back, I don't know, for a long time. They're like B.C. probably, I would sure. say, because they were a form of communication, you know, back in the day. Right. But, uh, yeah, that's what I would give a tip to is practice, 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 and learn your basic fundamentals first and just progress slowly at your own pace. Some, and nowadays, kids, man, kids are crazy. They learn yeah. stuff you know, <laughs> a, a, a third of the time that we did. Right. You know, right. it's crazy. But we were in yeah. everything back in the day. I'd be in drumming, playing outside, riding bicycles, dirt bikes. You had a lot of hobbies back in the day. You know, I, it yeah. just wasn't one hobby for me, which, but I loved that one hobby. But it took yeah. up most of my time. But nowadays, kids, when they get their eyes set on one thing, they'll yeah. learn that in no time because that's all they do. Right. It's a totally right. different world out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's crazy, man. I, I wish that I could go back and uh, learn, like, marching snare stuff. I just think it's so cool and the way that they can do tricks. And I gave lessons for a short period of time, and I had this kid that I was teaching, and he was in high school, uh, and he was on the marching band at his school. And I would try to show – would, I'd go to show him something, and I had it mapped out. I was like, all right, we're going to sit down for our first lesson. And I'm going to show him this and this, and then next time we'll go back and do something else. He picked it up immediately because he he knew his rudiments. He knew his uh, he all he knew all about rhythm. His hand eye coordination was perfect, and I I was oh, running yeah. out of things to show the guy because he was just so good. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I know. I, I like I go to shows now, and I'll get up there and play a show, and I thought, well, yeah, I thought I done good. You know, I didn't mess up any. And get off the stage, and then some younger guy will get up there and just freaking rip it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the drums up. I'm like, I'm like, 
I'm I'm a little embarrassed. I'm even here. It's all about confidence. Oh, confidence, yeah. well, you're just like everything else in life. Confidence pushes everything. Yeah, so right. if you go in there and you're confident about your drumming and you're a solid, I'm a solid drummer. I don't show off. I try not to, you know, because I'm there for the, I'm a band member. So I'm there to lay down the ground rule, being a bass player. That's what you hook up with. And that's the way I was taught. You, if you're a solid drummer, the song will speak for itself. Yes, sir. I mean, you don't have to, because a lot of people overplay. You get a lot of bands out there now that just overplay a song to death. And that's in every instrument. But if they overplay drums, that stands out to me. Yeah. So yeah. I just I just like to be, I'm, I'm a good, solid drummer. You know, I go into a studio. You show me what you want. I'm going to give you what you want. Right. You know, it, it may take me a little while if it's more technical, but I'll get it. That's just, that's just that's what I've always tried to try to map myself out to be the best of. It's just a good sit down, solid drummer. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, of all the years that I've been watching live um, drummers and YouTube videos, um, I know that's like to play cross-handed. But there's one drummer um, I don't know if you're familiar with. It's the drummer for Cannibal Corpse, the Paul. Mm. I, I can't remember yeah. his name. Uh, he plays open-handed. Um, which which one do you, do you play cross-handed or open-handed? And and which one do you think is the better um, of the two? Uh, uh, that's 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 just a personal preference. Uh, I think either way, I, I play actually play both ways sometimes. Okay. Uh, I'm, I am cross-handed. Ninety percent of the time, I'm playing cross-match. Right. But mm-hmm. like, I, I'll find certain songs where I'll play. I'll be doing, you know, rudiments on a, on the hi hats over on the ride, and I'll catch mm-hmm. myself playing with just that one hand, my left hand. You know, right. just a, but I've seen a lot of people, and a lot of times, um, the way I understand it, and it may not be that way, but a lot of people that play that way, they didn't have, I don't think they introduced left-handed kids back in the 80s until a little bit later. Right. And I, I know you set them up that way, but a lot of people played, learn how to play drums right-handed. Yeah. So you'll get a lot of that left hand as your open open uh, play style. Right. They never learn how to play cross because that's the way they learn how to keep that rhythm with their, their left hand. And uh, but yeah, I play both, and it's just a preference. I mean, I don't see any different. It's just like you know, it, Steve Smith is like an awesome at playing with the the, the cross, and you know, and trying to, to stick backwards and stuff like that. I, I just play normal. I play two two sticks in front of me straight up, and I, I said sometimes I'll switch. It's just according to what I do, but it, I, there's it's a preference and uh, sure. it's just cool more how you learn too more than you're comfortable with too but yeah i, I think either way is fine i mean yeah equally okay um so as as we stated in the beginning of the interview uh you began your music career in 1994 is that correct yeah the, we we uh like i said me and the guy earlier played together and learned together and I had actually played in 92 is actually when I bought that drum set and learned how to play drums as much as I could. I got stuck in a talent contest one time and got sent and we was at the church talent contest. Mm-hmm. And I played, I've even been playing for six months and I got stuck in front of 300 people playing Amazing Grace. <laughs> and I looked, you, you, you could break a two before over my back because I was so stiff. I mean, <laughs> it was just crazy. But 94 was actual, my first first band was which me and my, my friend Shane Rippey and my other friends Shane uh, Gallimore and then uh, we had a couple other people playing uh, that come in and out. But uh, that was my first band was called Abandoned, and it was horrible. I mean, <laughs> yes, it was, it, was, it, was, it was very horrible. Like I go back and we actually got some four tracks from that, and I was listening to them the other day. I found them, and I'm like, true, that's rough. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but that was my that was my that was yeah that was my first band. That ninety four was my actual first group. Yeah. yeah. So how many shows did you do with them before you got 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 to your to your next band? How many shows did you do with Abandon? Uh, Abandon didn't last long. It probably lasted till about I'd say probably maybe a year or two. Okay. And then. Uh, we actually we actually didn't play that many shows with that band. We played like six or seven shows in that amount of time because 
we were still writing stuff and trying to figure out everything. And, uh, but when I got with Grave Nation, uh, it was, again, it was a, a guy we went to school with, with Singer, and his ultimate favorite thing was uh, Sebastian Mock. That was his idol. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, we took our stuff because in 92, I was introduced to Corrosion and Conformity. And that changed, that changed everything about drumming for me. Right. Because uh, Reed Mullen, they were so, he'd be all over the place, and all of a sudden he was in the pocket tight as he could yeah. be and it just it blowed my mind i saw him live that's what happened to me first time i saw him live and i was like i just stuttered my mouth open i'm like oh my god this is the greatest band ever you know and they're probably one of the biggest undergrounds besides you know seven dust even named they're one of my favorite bands too but reed mullen that changed it for me so when we went to grave nation with the next band uh i brought i brought more of that drumming style not on purpose, because but accidentally because I listen to them all the time. Right. So being that other guy, the other guitar player, we listen to them so much. It really transcribed our writing, changed totally from straight straight writing to a little bit, little bit out of the box. And uh, we brought to that to that band, and it it was it was pretty good. We had a good group together, and uh, we actually got signed to uh, I can't remember it was through a talent agency. And uh, got signed to Jet Speed Records, which was uh, part of Sony Entertainment at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they flew us out to California. We recorded an album, and uh, we done a few radio on the. Well, most of it was West Coast. It really never made it. It actually never made it back to the East Coast as far as as a band. Right. But oh, wow. uh, we stayed out there. Well, I lived in California for probably about a month, and we just traveled up and down. You know Hollywood Boulevard, doing played, you know playing whiskey and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. uh, just making appearances in radio, like you know, like a, I guess a regional like what they call this out there. But it was a uh, it was pretty fun. But for some reason, we just my band disbanded, just like this. Like everybody was there was a couple of them that were married, yeah. and I guess they got homesick, right. and it just kind of kind of fell apart pretty quick. By mm. as quick as they went together, it fell apart. Oh, yeah. so, uh, right. But we ended up ended up getting a good album out of it, so at least I got that. But uh, that was one of the that was an unfinished thing in my life that still haunts me today. There's no closure there for that, and I I would love to. I like I've got with one of them. I would love to rewrite these songs with mm. the technology today and the artists that we know today, and get together. And I don't have to have the same artist. You can give me somebody right. else. I know these songs. Right. You know. I'd love right. to have them re-recorded and get a good CD and put it out there because I think I think that's one CD that I've done that was awesome and was really proud of that never got heard. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's disappointing. Yeah. Man. But you know, you learn you learn from those, so you move on. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. So, how long before? Um, before Scott Leftwich and the Atarian started, uh, they were they were actually a local band called Hemisphere. Okay. Uh, about the same time as we were Grave Nation around here, right. and uh, they kind of disbanded a little bit. And uh, he called me up one day, and I, I just went in to do some recording for him. And uh, he asked me if I'd come play on some tracks, and I said sure. So I come play on tracks, and then he said. Uh, well, won't you come? Would you would you come play some songs with us? You know, with the rest of the band. There was him, his brother, and the bass player was the ones that were left. You know, the three kind of disbanded and went their separate ways. Right. I said, sure, I'll come down. And uh, that was in 2001. And uh, we got together, started. We connected quick. Playing for Scott's real easy because he tells you what he wants. He knows what he wants in his head. So yeah. he explains it very well what he wants. So we clicked instantly. So we, we're still together. I mean, me and him still play. I don't play with the rest of the band, but me and him still write and record uh, probably 95% of all that you hear of Scott Leftwood in the Atari. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, uh, that's, that's, that's really a, a benchmark, I think, to, be, to stay with one person and can keep writing music, really good music, I think. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was 2001. We had some good shows. We uh, opened up for Journey and Def Leppard in 2004. 
Oh, cool. in Charlotte. Mm, nice. Uh, we had some we had some pretty good shows. I mean, I've, I've I've had a little fame in my life, but it was that fifteen minutes. You know, you know, mm. I'm huge in China. And <laughs> 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 the Philippines, the Philippines loves Scott Leftwich and Charles. We get stuff. We send stuff to the Philippines all the time. It's That's weird. Cool. I mean, but uh, they, of course, they love American music over there. I mean, it's regardless. You could put. You can put a dog barking and a guitar to it, and I think you can put it on an album and send it to them, and they would think it's the best thing on earth. Sure. That's because yeah. they're so limited to what they're able to hear. You know, they get they get oppressed on what they can hear. It's, you're not allowed to listen to that kind of stuff. But right. when they get to hear stuff like this, it's really it opens their eyes. It's changed a lot of people's lives, I think, in these third world countries that don't get to hear this stuff. That's yeah. why they love it so much. Right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So. After all these years, um, what what would you say has made this band the longest mainstay for you? Just the, just the connection, just yeah. and the friendship, the connection and the friendship with Scott. I, and I still talk to the other guys in the band. We just don't play live no more. They're still on the band. They're still on our too. They they still come in and do some parts on certain songs too. But uh, I, I guess friendship. I, uh, Scott's brother Blake. I, I graduated with him. The bass player Brian, I graduated with him. Uh, we we're, we're we're good for being good friends forever, and uh, that connection that we had, I guess it's just mainstayed over the years. It's just yeah. and it's good music, you know. When you when you enjoy writing music that sounds good, and you don't once it becomes a job, I think then it's not fun anymore. Right. Exactly. So if you can still you can still have fun and write those songs, it's not. It's not a it's not a burden to me, but I think yeah. that's what's kept it going all these years. And I hope to ride with Scott twenty more years. I mean, yeah. I, I, if I'm able to pick up a drumstick, I'll do it because he's just fun to play with. His his brain. I'm I'm sure I'm really going to have him. You guys interview him because if he'll do it, uh, I'm telling you, Scott is his brain is just it's it's awesome when it comes to music. He hears stuff that I don't nobody else hears. Right. You know, and yeah. I think it's amazing. But uh, he's fun to play with, and I think that's what's kept it going. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's always sure. uh, it, 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 it's always super fun to play with somebody who, who you like in America. Because most most fans they, they play with people they don't like at all. You know, but they do yeah. it for the love of and music. That's so. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Well, I mean, everybody everybody I play with, I have a good time with. Like, I have a few that you know. You always have those certain ones that. And most of the time, you know, I'm going to say it, they're singers. Singers are divas. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, when you're unloading and loading that truck, you know, the singers know we're around when you're loading all that heavy equipment. But That's when right. it comes time for autographs and picture taking, oh, well, where'd you come from? Oh, sure. Tricky, you know? yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but it's still yeah. fun. I love it. Good, yeah. good. Um, a, a future a, a mutual friend of ours uh told me about you and she told me that to look up um the band called uh psychotropic remedy and i know that uh, right and in the bio that you said this um it says you might be changing the name um how did that uh, start yeah and if so and, and and why are you changing that name well again i come in as uh their drummer uh, I think it was 2005, I think, or 2006. Maybe it wasn't that long. I can't remember how long. I, I actually don't remember how long I've been in this band. Uh, I'd I say I've probably been in the band the last six or seven years, maybe. Maybe even a little longer. But what happened was is uh, their drummer broke his arm. So uh, they had shows coming up, and they asked me if I would come fill in. Right. I said, you know, sure. I, the man, the bass player, was a really good friend, John Ward, an excellent bass player. And... Uh, uh, we got together and uh, I just had to relearn and they didn't have they didn't have that many so it was good for me they didn't have it about eight or nine songs so uh, I learned the songs and started playing with them and uh, I expected I waited and waited the guy healed up and I was like when's you know when's the drummer coming back because I had a lot of stuff on my other plate that it was kind of taken away at the time from that. And I was playing another band called Dread. I think I put that on there too. I was actually playing and still playing in Dread when I was with these guys. And, uh, I kept, I played all the shows. The drummer never come back. So yeah. I ended up I guess staying there. Yours, right? And I'm still there. 
Right, and uh, so we had a singer that was in the band, and uh, he had left once and moved to Ohio, so we got us another singer. Well, he come that singer quit, so he come back. So we brought him back in the band, and I think it was just a I think there was a little animosity towards uh, a few people. Yeah. So we kind of got I think it got stale because that psychotropic remedy done good for so long, but it kind of you know we had a good we had a good following, but it got stale to us. Right. So we, we just wanted to re kind of revamp the whole band, write totally different music, not not so much change the groove. We're a southern groove metal band. That's what we play. Right. And uh, cool. so we not not change everything totally, but give it a new freshness. And then so we thought, well, we'll just change the name too, which yeah. I don't know what it is going to be right now. Yeah, kind of like, uh, like a rebranding of it, right? Right, and, and I guess it just gives us a new perspective on it and yeah. kind of gives us uh, a freshness so we can, because it, it does get bored. Like I said, if it becomes a job and becomes, and you regret going to practice, you're like, ah, oh, we got to go to practice. Yeah. I don't want to do it. <laughs> you know, any, anybody's on it, just like you go to your job every day. If your job's not that fun, you get up every morning and sit on bed going, God, wow, today. Yeah. And, you know, that's the same thing for me. If it becomes a job for me and it don't become fun anymore, it's hard for me to get up and go do that. Right. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's where I'm at right now. And, and uh, once we get some stuff recorded, I'll send to you, you know. Okay. We're yeah. uh, getting yeah. ready to go in the studio probably in, a, probably in another month or so. Oh, nice. And uh, we're still waiting for COVID stuff to get gone, yeah. you know, all yeah. this is kind of messing up everything. Yeah, they're thinking, thinking uh, the pool and everybody. We've canceled a lot of shows because of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, we've canceled about six or seven shows in that band for this year. So oh, nice. it's uh, it's been kind of hard. I mean, we don't make a lot of money. I mean, like I said, if you get in if you get into music for money, then you you have messed up. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's what um that's what yeah. a a past um interviewer that we had on our um one of our interview um episodes said you can't do it for money because if you do it for money, it's not it's not totally worth it. You know. So. Now, yeah. You guys oh, do yeah. it for money, the love of music. Just right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's a good thing. You do it for the love of music, and then you, they throw that money at you. It's like, wow, I'm getting paid for this? You know, cool. Right, right. You know, and the more, the more you make, it's better. But, you know, like every other band, you know, you have a, a band fund. You put that money back. Somebody needs strings or, right. you know, right. buy or heads or somebody. Yeah. You know, and that's what. Yeah. Now, not every band is like that. They don't like you know, taking money out to go buy heads or strings, you know. But uh, this man here is really good about uh, sharing. I mean, yeah. we, we try to do things for each other. If somebody needs, a, like, if somebody needs a new guitar, I mean, I, my, uh, our, our lead guitar player bought guitars for him and his other guitar player. Nice. Just bought right. them. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and, a, and the bass for the bass player. He bought all new instruments. He bought me a set of cymbals. Oh, you know, wow. I didn't imagine. Wow. I mean, he just bought him out all of his own thing. And I was like, you know, dude, man, you don't have to do this. He said, nah, man. He said, I, he said, I, I know it helps when you got good stuff to play with. I thought, well, mm-hmm. I appreciate it. I, I can give you some money back, you know. Mm-hmm. Nah, man. He said, you know, we'll take care of it. We'll figure it out. So he's a good that's dude. Awesome. I, I'm actually, that's a really good, ba- really good band to be in because you don't find a lot of band members in bands over the years. That's like that. Right. So I, I'm lucky to be able to play with a good, I've been lucky. Well, I've been lucky too. To play with some really good musicians, and every one of them brought something different to the table for me. Yeah. So I've really learned a lot over the years, and I'm still learning. Like I'm, you know, I'm still working. I'm in the getting into the kind of bluegrass Americana stuff now too, yeah. and realizing I don't need as many drums, but it's uh, more of a uh, different style of drumming. It's the less is more theory is what I see. A lot of percussion stuff instead of more drumming stuff. Right. So uh, I'm I'm learning that part of it now. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Right. Um. So, can I can I ask? And I'm sure you've probably been asked yeah. this a few times. <laughs> what What exactly is a knuckle boom? A uh, knuckle boom <laughs> is a uh, it's it's a crane for loggers. What well, it's got these big giant claws, and you have a saw on the side of a knuckle boom, and they call it a knuckle boom because it looks like a giant hand. Uh-huh. With knuckles, it just looks like, and it looks like it has knuckles on it. It reaches down and it can grab a whole tree up and set on the back of a trailer. Right. It's oh, basically wow. a it's basically a blue crane that's got a hand on it. It'll right. grab it, pick it up, put it on that. It has, 
And one reason is, is the guitar player in that band, uh, his dad's a, he owns his own logging business. So in high school and right out of high school, that was his job. He ran a knuckle boom for probably six or seven years. So that came, that name, and plus I hit a long, I hit one on the dirt bike head on, on the okay. CR 500, which, yeah, I hit, I hit one head on. That was real nice. I survived it. So we're good. Yeah. But, uh, that, that, yeah. There were so many things that evolved around logging for us as a younger band growing up. So it was only appropriate to name it Knuckle Boom. So right. that's where the name came from. Yeah, I was I was just looking up pictures of that. That's uh, that's really cool. That's really cool. I've seen those around. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it, yeah, that's such a unique name and uh, quite a quite a fun name to say, <laughs> Knuckle Boom, right? Uh, can you tell us how you met the band members of that band and, and tell us about the sound of Knuckle Boom? Uh, well, Knuckle Boom is a, uh, uh, the, well, the members of that band, our bass players kind of in and out, but uh, Chad Johnson, like I said, they were originally called Play War back in the day. And uh, it's John Hall, Gabe Simpkins, Chad Johnson, and uh, John Hall, which is the one that lives in uh, Nashville. Uh, Murfreesboro. He's the one that he's the lead singer, and uh, I met these guys way back in when I was still in high school, like '93, '94. I graduated '93, and I went to school with Chad Johnson, so he kind of introduced us to these people, and he was the bass player in that band. Right. So we got to hanging out with them, and as we got older, we started playing together a lot. So uh, it kind of transitioned because they broke up, but we really enjoyed playing together. So when everybody got together there. I guess several years ago, we uh, we just meshed. We don't get to play or we don't get to practice, but we know all the songs because we've been playing them for years. So uh, that's kind of how we got put together. And with Shane Rippey as the guitar player, which is one I started playing with in the beginning, and he's from Richmond. That's where he lives at right now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, our sound is probably, uh, I don't know, it's got a little bit of Alice in Chains kind of sound, cool. okay. But then, then you can go over. Then you can go over here and hang out with uh, the Avert Brothers or uh, like Gabe when he writes. He's a he is a hippie. He is a inner hippie, <laughs> but he loves. He, so you can kind of see where I'm going, but he still loves Alice in Chains. Uh, right. That type of sound, that that grunge kind of guitar, but. And then he grew up in the 80s, too, so he's got that involved, too. So he's got – his playing style is just unlike any other. It's got a, just a, a good – I don't know. It's a good rhythmic groove to it. Right. I mean, cool. you can just like – I mean, it's just really – it's smooth. That's like a smooth groove. There's nothing noisy about it. It's really nice. Right. And yeah. uh, that's, our, that's our sound in a nutshell, But which we brought Great Nation. You can take, uh, you know, Cyanide off of our album which you can you can download all that stuff on reverb nation if you guys want to check it out cool. uh you can oh, yeah. take those songs and they're totally they're totally different because shane rippy the guitar player i was with and uh, abandoned wrote cyanide and great nation he wrote that song and it was called media circus at the time but you can take that song and then you can you can hear the difference in writing between gabe guitar player and shane guitar player but they mesh so well and uh, that's that's basically the sound we've got. I guess I guess you could throw a little southern groove in there because you got the you know Avery Brothers or you know like uh, CCR that type of sound to it too. Right. But you throw a lot of distortion on it. So I love that. I absolutely love that. And you yeah. know, there's there's a lot of bands that uh, for a short period of time there a few years ago I got really into southern hardcore bands and uh yeah. there was there was some great ones like maylene and the sons of disaster uh every time i die yeah um there was a band from uh raleigh north carolina that used to open for uh a local band here that i saw a good bit called embracing goodbye and those guys were just awesome and raw and they would bust out a banjo in a heartbeat and the singer <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. was That's just awesome. like yeah. they yeah. And to tie it in with Journey, they used to open all of their sets with Don't Stop Believing uh, yes. before they came out. And it just yes. like the guitars just tuned down and you could hear it like they go drop deep. Yeah. And then it just like, you know, it's about to get wild, man. And they just had that southern flair. And there was just something that I absolutely loved about that. And I missed that time period because I don't see that a lot anymore. 
and uh, it was just good, that, yeah. good times. Oh yeah, that, you're right. That, that that music was it was probably from I'd say probably from 1998 to like 2010 or I don't know. It may be even be longer than that, but. Like, uh, there's a band from West Virginia. They don't even have words to the song. But they say one <laughs> word, and all their whole set, and, and it's tequila. Because yeah. they do that song tequila, but... Awesome. They don't even have names for the song. It's like number one, number ten. Yeah. Number <laughs> That's how they name the song. But, but I'm going to tell you what. These guys, I saw them with Corrosion, and they are awesome. I mean, yeah. they're a three-piece, and you talking about just old-school jamming. Like, I'm a big Warren Hayes fan. I, I like Governor Neal, too. They're one of my... That's a big Gabe influence too, but that's one of my influences also. And that, that's a good jam band. There's no good jam bands anymore. Like right. you, don't, yeah. you don't see that. Yeah. Everything's too processed for me now. You don't have. I think Black Stone Cherry. I don't know if y'all y'all heard of them. Yes. They're, awesome. they're, yeah. They're, they're, yeah. they're probably them Blackberry Smoke and that kind of, you know, mainstream wise. Yeah. I know you got a lot of underground stuff, but mainstream wise, they tried to break into that. A little right. bit. A lot of their songs were got that southern groove to it, and uh, I just I love anything southern and anything I groove in the same word. You got my yeah. head bobbing. Yeah, it makes that's you right. Bob, then I'm good to go. You know, yeah. I don't even care about the word. <laughs> I don't even listen to the word <laughs> yeah. anyway. Ninety percent of time, a yeah. drummer will sit and look at the drummer and staring down when he's playing live. Yeah, you know, right. but. Uh, it's, and, they, and the guitar player, they're all the same way because you're just waiting for them. You're gonna mess up. Is he gonna do that right here? You know, you just wait for that stuff. But that's right. You're right. Like that. There's no bands out there right now. Like, I, honestly, my opinion, everything on the radio right now is crap. So I don't listen to anything sure. on the radio. Yeah. Because there's <laughs> no such there's, there's no there's no such thing as a rock song when you put somebody dance music and call it rock. Well, same with country. Country really mm-hmm. do. You got this hip hop country thing going on right now. And yeah, it, it just it makes me mad. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, understandable. Yeah. Totally understandable. Well, I, well, um, I, I'm gonna say the one thing about um, how, how music can really inspire you. Um, I was listening to a a, a song. Um, I, everybody's heard of Guar, right? Yeah. No, all right. Oh yeah. So yeah. um, they did a cover song of "Schools Out" by they they redid that song from from Alice Cooper's you know "Schools Out" song. And I posted it on Facebook, and my mom came in and said, uh, you should take this down because I don't like the lyrics down here. I'm like, well, okay, well, it's just... So with me, I tend to like the music more than the lyrics. The lyrics don't mean hardly anything to me, um, you know, most of the time. Uh, and yeah. uh, to go back when you said that yeah. uh, music music just feels right, you know, you bob your head. And I feel the same way, too. I think that uh, many... People nowadays are too in, to, in 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 tune with the lyrics that you forget what the band members are actually playing live, you know. Yeah. Because lyrics is just one well, part the, of the whole spectrum, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, well, the youth today too for me is is they they hone in on the lyrics because mm-hmm. a lot of their meaning in life they pay attention to that because most of the time they can relate to it now, and which we we could too. We can relate to the lyrics when we heard them. Because it was it was our time frame, you know. That if right. that song come out in your time frame, more likely it was wrote about something that you've been through. Right. But more now, a lot more songs now are about. I don't know. You know, you have you went through the emo rock. Yeah. That's yeah. Right there. <laughs> I don't. I never got into it a lot, but those are lyric based. I mean, yeah, sure. You sing those songs because when they when they mix that when they mix that album they pushed them vocals out there they wanted people to hear those vocals because right those, yeah. those were good you know songwriting and those, that's what that song was about but they had to be as fast as you could go like a Vince sevenfold their drummer yeah. is was ungodly but yeah. uh yeah, yeah you're right like you'll still listen to lyrics but subconsciously a lot of times that's how you learn so that's how i learn songs i learn them subconsciously because I'll sing them, but I really don't even know what I'm doing. Right. Because I, I, I listen yeah. to drums all the time, but I'll accidentally learn the lyrics, but I don't listen for them. You know, in metal yeah. bands, like, you got them screamers. I, 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 I'm, I, honestly, yeah. I don't know what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. The it's kind of like, it's I love, like I love music, corpse, you know. But, you know yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I used to be in a, when I come back to that, I never mentioned this, but I was in a band. It was like one show for Halloween. We got together, and it's called Non-Existence. Right, and we actually dressed up. We opened up for ourselves. <laughs> we were motion overload, but we, 
That's we dressed awesome. up in outfits, and uh, we learned six Cannibal Court songs. Nice. And one six feet under. It was. Well, we played those songs and opened up for ourselves, our band did. Yeah. That's awesome. And because uh, we couldn't find, we couldn't get nobody on short notice to open up for us. So yeah. we actually just went ahead and dressed yeah. up in costumes. Nobody had a clue. <laughs> I played bass. Nobody had, I had, I had, nobody had a clue who, who you were? No. Wow, Man, I had okay. a clue who we were because yeah. we went off stage, then went back and changed, and we had people that was helping us. Now they knew. Yeah. Uh, they brought out, changed, changed the drum sets out, and then the guitar player. Now, one of the guitar players, he played guitar in both. Yeah. The bass player was actually the singer. So the singer <laughs> went back and played bass in the next band, and I went back to the drum set. We switched everything out different instruments, different guitars, everything. That's so they amazing. never even had a clue that we opened up for ourselves. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah you, we actually, actually, people love this, too, and they're like, well, we might have to play another show somewhere else yeah. to kind of fulfill their entertainment <laughs> fulfill need. Fulfill their need, yeah. Hell but, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I listened to a little bit of Cannibal Course. I had a lot of nuclear assault. I mean, I, I listened to a lot of that. Toxic Walls was one of my favorite songs. I mean, I listen to a lot of that metal because, like Blake Leftwich, you wouldn't know it. And Scott Leftwich and Torrance, he was a death metal. That's why he li- he listens to that all the time. Him and oh, Brian, wow, Bain, yeah. my bass player, yeah. in that band. and to hear hear him play this melodic pop radio stuff, and it it's, blows your mind because yeah, you're crazy, like, okay, where this come from? But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really weird. I mean, this area. There's so much music in this area. It's so different. You go from bluegrass to death metal in two seconds. Sure. I mean, yeah. we listen to everything here. Yeah. But uh, it's pretty neat. Pretty neat. You know, you mentioned something earlier about um, the the lyrics and uh, that era of the, the emo rock that got really popular. Um, and it was very lyric-based. And, and there's a lot of sad songs that people felt like. Like there was a new way, like wave of teenagers that felt that uh, those emotions, and they're like, "I relate to this." Um, and I think yeah. that social media has a lot to play with that too, because think about it. And I, I'm definitely yeah. guilty of this because I grew up in that that era. Um, I was in high school right. when bands like Hawthorne Heights and all the all those guys were really. Oh big. yeah. So it's you know that teen angst, like I, I don't understand the world, nobody understands me, type of thing. And right. the social media plays into it because you know you can you can post the lyrics because they relate to you and you can tweet the lyrics yeah. you can do this and that and other i'm gonna get this tattoo and these are the lyrics my favorite song yada 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 and uh I, yeah. i'm sure that there's bands out there that did that intentionally you know like uh like we're oh, gonna yeah. write these oh man this is a good lyric this is gonna be this is gonna be on somebody's uh instagram uh post later today <laughs> you yeah. know and 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 yeah. i'm totally guilty of it i still do that and i'm almost 30 years old now Huh. So like, I, like if you go to my Instagram, uh, people ask me all the time. It says I am the man that sank Atlantis, and people are like, "What does that mean?" Well, yeah. it's from a, it's from a song. It's from Sorry, a song. it's just my generation. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> right, right. Well, but, you could say the same thing for, but you take that too. Exactly what you're saying. They had those same songs in the '80s. You take yeah. some of the songs like the, but they called them love ballads back then. Mm-hmm. But those were the same thing, but they wasn't heavy. They just right. took that love ballad and put a heavy riff on it. And because sure. I think I'm a firm believer in life that everything makes full circle. Absolutely. Everything. Yeah. Clothing, clothing, music, especially music. Especially yeah. music is a real, goes around, around. And clothing does too because, you know, bell bottoms are back. I mean, yeah, that's right. all yeah. the colors on shoes and stuff like that, all of them pastel colors are back. Yeah. You know, right. bright colors. So. I, I agree with you there, and you're absolutely right. Media has changed the, the music. You don't even have to be signed now to yep. be popular. Right. I mean, exactly. um, labels, all, all labels now are good for is distribution. That's yes. all they're yes. really good for. Right. I mean, it's sure. distribution labels, all you need. And, you know, they do help with some more marketing because they, they can put you in that secondary market. But you've got YouTube. I mean, people's making a living off YouTube, for God's sake. Oh, yeah, big time. So, I mean, you don't need that. Yeah, you don't need that big major label anymore, which I do miss major labels because when you bought a record, I, it was just uh, the happiness when you bought that record. Right. You got that CD or that record or whatever, you looked forward to buying that. When it come out, you couldn't wait to get to the record store to line up yeah. to buy that one CD. Now it's everywhere. You know, and right. I know you still have to buy some on some platforms, you know, like 
I'll, I'll, I'll take in 99 a month for Spotify. Right. But it's just there now. There's no, there's no excitement for that next song. There's, yeah. there's, 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 for me, it's just blah. You know, uh, I'm a big, uh, I don't forgot the name now, out of Richmond. My mind went blank. Anyway, they're a big heavy band. They just put out a new album. They just put out a new song, and I was not excited about it whatsoever. I'm like, uh, yeah, okay, it's just out. You don't have anything to go with. So, yeah, it's it's totally changed a lot. And media and social media and the, and the new digital era that we're in has totally changed music as we see it. And yeah. as you can see in everything, you know, it's changed everything. You know, you can right. you, you see it on TV every day right now because. You know, these things happen. These things have been happening for years, right? And everything. Yeah. But you never heard about it because social media and the news didn't put them out there like they do now. Right. Sure. So, sure. And music's the same way. Absolutely. Well, Ricky, this has been awesome, man. We re- we really appreciate you coming on. Um, and speaking of social media, where 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 can the people, our listeners, find you and find out about your music? Uh. You can go on uh, Scott Leffler's Antarians. Uh, that band is on. All my bands are on Facebook. Uh, you can you can find every one of them on Facebook. Uh, a couple of them's on uh, Reverb Nation, which is uh, Sax Perfect Remedy and Knuckle Boom. They're on Reverb Nation. I think Scott Leffler may be, but uh, Scott Leffler is on all your platforms. Uh, Pandora, uh, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes Music, Amazon Music. We're on all those. Uh, and me myself, you can find me on Facebook. It's Ricky Underwood. Just look up the one, the ugly one. There's a pretty one living in California. <laughs> ugly one, come on now. There's one on the West Coast. <laughs> I'm on the East Coast. I'm the East Coast Ricky Underwood. There you go. I think there the other go. one played in some kind of CW show or something. But uh, yeah, you can find you can find everything about all my bands and me on Facebook. Cool. Okay, great. Um, well, like, like, like I said, we really appreciate you you coming on and uh, give us a little uh, look at your world about music and what it means means to you. Um, so we really do appreciate you you coming on. Yeah, anytime, guys. I had a really, I really, a really good time. I had a blast, and uh, you guys are awesome. Keep it up. You're doing a really good thing. I think uh, not not enough people do what y'all are doing. Uh, just really get to music is a uh, Music is a, a therapy in life, and it makes you happy. Yes, sir. And yeah, music does. can you have a bad day. You can listen to one freaking guitar riff, yeah. and it'll bring you happiness. Yes. So, yeah, guys, <laughs> I really appreciate appreciate you having me on, interviewing and everything, and uh, thanks again. Thank Man, you. Man, thank you so much. For Blake and myself, this has been an interview of with Ricky Underwood uh, on When Words Fail, Music Speaks. Until next time, see y'all. You've been listening to the When Words Fail, Music Speaks podcast. Stay tuned for more, and thank you for listening.